0: All right, if you want to grab your seat, that would be great, and uh, we'll jump into the teaching time. If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you know that we're talking about uh, disciples, how we can be disciples ourselves, and how we can make more disciples. I shared with you a couple weeks ago the principle of multiplication that is inherent in the Bible, this idea that if we're really going to do what Jesus envisioned Christians doing, it's going to be a matter of uh, me being a disciple, making a few disciples, those disciples making a few more disciples, and so on, and so on, and so on. Steve told me this morning that was an old Fabergé television commercial. Fabergé, is that right? The shampoo commercial? You remember, and so on, and so on. Okay, I'm older than all of you, evidently. Um <laughs> Anyway, it's a principle of, of, I called it multiplication. My math geek friends have told me it's the principle of exponential Thinking right, exponential multiplication, whatever i don 't know, but the the idea is Jesus wants us as disciples to turn this world upside down. you know what i 'm saying, and we believe that our mission is to help people reconnect to God, and as we do that and, and we make more and more disciples, we really can change. This world. And I believe that to the core of my soul. And Connect Church, you are changing this community. And as we do the work Jesus has called us to, we can change the world if we're faithful to the principle of discipleship. And so, uh, two weeks ago, I kind of gave you an introduction. I called it a pop quiz, laid out some principles, uh, some broad principles about uh, making disciples. Last week, we talked about what it is to be a spiritual baby and how we can help babies grow in the spiritual development process. Uh, For those of you that missed last week, I owe you a huge apology. Um, Our our podcast got ruined both Sunday morning and Sunday night. We lost both recordings. And so (laughs) don't give me the stink eye. (laughs) Wasn't my fault. So we've lost last week's message, but uh, I'll I'll try to catch you up in the next uh, couple of weeks and just give you a little review items as we go so you can stay with us. And so today we want to move along and talk about what it means to be a spiritual child and how those of us that are a little further along on the spiritual journey can nurture spiritual children and take them to the next level. So as we've done the last couple of weeks, I've got this, uh, this graphic here that kind of demonstrates... Uh, What the spiritual journey looks like. And you can see here that we work work clockwise around this this chart as we grow in our spiritual life. You start really with spiritual deadness. That means you're not connected to Christ, the source of life. But at that moment that you become born again, you become a spiritual infant. And uh, I I talked last week uh, about the fact that spiritual infants are... Uh, can, they're ignorant, they're confused, and they're dependent. And so, you weren't. If you weren't with us last week, you could jot those those, those words down. Uh, and, and those aren't intended to be insults to those of you that are spiritual babies. It's just the fact of the uh, the fact of the matter that when you come to Christ. You don't know a lot about what it means to be a Christian. You don't know a lot about the Bible, unless for some reason you've read the Bible uh, a lot, but you just don't know. Uh, Most spiritual babies are confusing elements of Christianity with other cultural elements, And, and so that confusion exists when you're a spiritual infant. And then we talked about the fact that spiritual babies are dependent on a spiritual parent, it's essential that spiritual babies are connected with somebody that can nurture them and, 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 and help them grow in their spiritual life. It's just essential. And so uh, I, I gave you some resources for helping spiritual babies. And I, I'm so excited to hear that some of you are already plugging those things in. And today I want to talk about what it's like to be a spiritual child and how we can help spiritual children take the next step. Now... Children are incredible, aren't they? How many of you are moms and dads of kids under 12? Kids under 12. Okay, we got a bunch of you. Uh, kids are kids are interesting, and uh, most of you are aware that Chris and I were never fortunate enough to have children of our own, uh, but we both have siblings who have kids, so we've got nieces and nephews. And they're, uh, it's been fun for us to be a part of a family that helps kids grow up. When my when my sister's kids were little, we invented something that became very valuable over the years. We called it Uncle and Aunt. No, we called it Nephew Day originally. My my nephew Zeke needed a day to spend with Unc and Annie Chrissy, and so we started doing that with Zeke. And then when his uh, younger brother and sister, who who are twins, when they got old enough, we started doing Nephew and Niece Day with them. And I've got a picture here of, of one of our, I think this was one of our last nephew and niece days. This is my niece, Jessica, and her brother, her twin brother, Joshua. And Jessica is actually now a student at MSU and attends Connect Church on Sunday nights. So uh, when she comes to church tonight and sees that picture, she's going to kill me because I, <laughs> I didn't ask her permission. But. But we used to have fun on these once-a-year outings, and uh, on this particular outing, we were at uh, Canyon Ferry and going up gates of the mountains with the kids, and it was really a great day. But my niece, Jessica, was kind of an interesting kid. Uh, From the time she was born, she was a babbler, you know what I mean? One of those babies that just constantly was making noise. Her older brother, Zeke, was silent. Jessica got All the talking ability in the whole family. And uh, she was just always babbling. And when she got to the age where she could start saying words that were intelligent, it was just all mixed up with babbling. And about the same time that words started to form, she developed this incredible obsession with Barbie dolls. Loved her Barbies. And, and, of course, her parents kept her well-stocked in Barbies, so it just fed this obsession. And, and Chris and I would spend time with the kids, and, and, and Jessica would just babble endlessly. But it kind of sounded like this. It was, I love the Barbie, let me get a Barbie, let me go, Barbie, 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 Barbie. And, you know, just went on and on, but the only word you could ever understand was Barbie. But she was enthusiastic. And she was excited, and there was, there was just this childlike energy, and, and it was good. We loved that time of life, but one of the things that was kind of funny is that was about the time, and we've actually had a set of parents this week that made the similar offer, uh, but that was about the time that her parents offered to just give her away to us. You know, if we, if we wanted to take her, we would... And, and here's, here's what we know about children, biologically, There comes an age when your kids, they're excited, they're talking, they're wanting to take initiative, they're wanting to be independent, but they just kind of drive you nuts, right? And and those of you that have kids under the age of 12, it's a challenge sometimes, right? And the same can be true. Oh, 35, all right, (laughs) Michelle wants to give away her adult children. (laughs) Whatever the age, kids are a challenge, right? The same is true of spiritual children, okay? I want you to think about this. I I, I want you to think about this. If you are a spiritual child, and you might not even quite know where where you place on that continuum yet, but if you're at the development stage of being a spiritual child... Uh, you're probably anxious to share your faith. You're probably talking a lot about Jesus and about the Bible and what you're learning in church and and all these kinds of things. you're, You're anxious to serve. You're anxious to be a part. You're anxious to take action. These are all things that describe people who are spiritual children. But those of us who are more mature Christians, were maybe spiritual young adults or spiritual parents, we might find ourselves being very impatient with immature Christians. This is typical, all right? We might become very impatient with spiritual children. And it's very important for those of us that are a little further along in the spiritual journey to be able to identify the spiritual children in our church family and in our lives even outside of church So that we don't get impatient, but we have the skills and the tools to help them along towards spiritual maturity. Okay, does that make sense? You understand where I'm going? And I want to start this morning uh, by talking about another story from the Bible about Uh, the disciple Peter. The last couple of weeks, I've used Peter's life as an example. And uh, Peter's great because uh, in the Bible, we can see him developing from infant to child to young adult to eventually becoming a spiritual parent. So last week, when I was talking about spiritual children, I used the story uh, uh, of Peter and his confession that Jesus was the Messiah. And then in the next breath, he was rebuking Jesus because he was, He was confused, right, like spiritual babies are, and he was confusing some of what he knew to be true with the cultural truths around him. Today I want to take you to the book of Mark chapter 9, and I want to see something that happened in Peter's life as he was developing uh, as a spiritual person and probably at this child stage. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open to Mark chapter 9, or I, I love it if you're using Bible software on your smartphone or tablet. Mark chapter 9, and I'm going to start at verse two. This is what we read. Six days later, six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, just these three disciples, all right? So he's separating from the crowd of disciples. He takes these three men and he led them up a high mountain to be alone. And as the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. Now, some of the older translations of the Bible use the word transfigured. Uh, and, And what that word means is that as the disciples were watching, Jesus just bodily changed. All of a sudden, he was no longer a man of flesh and bones, but he was transformed into the God that he was and is. They saw him no longer as a man, but they saw him in his deity, in his godness. And verse 3 says, his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. There's that verse I was talking about. And then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. Now, can you put yourself into this scenario? Can you imagine if this guy that you recognize as a rabbi, the man that you recognize as the Messiah, he's been telling you he's the son of God, but you're not quite comprehending what son of God really means. And all of a sudden, you're on a mountain. He changes in his appearance into something that looks like God. And all of a sudden, these incredible historical figures appear and begin talking with him. I mean, this has got to just blow the disciples' minds. Can't you just picture it? And verse 5 says, Peter exclaimed, Rabbi, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And, and, and he's just babbling. The next verse says he said this because he didn't really know what else to say, for they were all terrified. Okay? <laughs> he, he's just like, Jesus, it's wonderful for us to be here. Blah, 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 Jesus, <laughs> Moses, <laughs> Elijah, Shelter. <laughs> you know, he, he's just, he's just out of control. In fact, when Matthew tells this story, he says that he was still talking. When the voice from heaven came. I mean, Peter's just out of control. And verse 7 in Mark says, A cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. Okay? Peter's still talking, right? And God the Father is saying, Listen to Jesus, Peter. Stifle. And suddenly when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone and they saw only Jesus with them. And so as they went back down the mountain, Jesus told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And so they kept it to themselves, but they often asked each other what this meant by rising from the dead. Okay, This is a great illustration of what spiritual children are experiencing. And if you're taking notes this morning on your note cards, this is what you can write down. Like all spiritual children, Peter was growing quickly, but he was still making lots of mistakes. He was growing quickly, but he was still making lots of mistakes. Those of you that are parents, you know that as your kids grow up, they make mistakes. And you might not like them making mistakes, but it's just part of the growing process. And in the spiritual realm as well, we have to be patient with our spiritual children because they make mistakes as they are growing. Let me give you some descriptives of what spiritual children look like. Uh, They're often idealistic. You hear uh, spiritual children talking in very perfect terms. They, they believe that once you become a Christian, you don't make any mistakes, that, that churches ought to be perfect. Uh, and there's just this heightened sense of idealism. Often spiritual children are prideful. That's the second word. They're often prideful. And, and as Jesus is changing someone from the inside out, a lot of times they become very self-impressed. And if you're a spiritual child today, you might recognize that you've become pretty impressed with all the changes you've been making. You've, you've quit this or you've quit that or you're, you're, you're changing these behaviors and all of a sudden you think, wow, I've got a lot to offer the world with all of the changes I'm making. Spiritual children are often very self-centered. And you'll hear them talking about this is what I need or this is what I think or this is, this is me, me, me. It's all focused around themselves. And they become, just like biological children, spiritual children become very independent. And they resist, I'm sorry, interdependent, yes. Interdependent, thank you for catching that. Uh, and, and, and what we find with spiritual children is, uh, unlike spiritual babies who need a parent, spiritual children need a large group of people who are, are, are helping them to grow spiritually. Spiritually. And, and they need a bunch of people that are all contributing to their relationship. Um, last week, I shared some, some statements that you'll hear spiritual babies make. Let me share some that you'll hear spiritual children make. These are some of the clues. When you hear people using these phrases, this will clue you in that this is a spiritual child that I'm having a conversation with. You'll hear them say things like this. Who are all these people coming to my church? Tell them to go somewhere else. Okay? Okay. Uh, If you hear somebody saying that, that's probably typical kind of thoughts and and conversation of a spiritual child. They'll say things like this. My my small group is not taking care of my needs. Now, when we mature, we realize that when we go to a small group, more important is what I can contribute more than what I can get out of it. But spiritual children are concerned about their own needs, and, and they're focused on themselves. That's typical. And that's okay. It's not something we become impatient with. Uh, You'll hear them say this. My sister isn't very spiritual. I think God wants me to rebuke her. (laughs) They might not actually say that with their out loud voice but you'll see spiritual children doing a lot of rebuking and telling the world just how it is, and you need to think the way I do. You need to experience, You need to read the book that I just... You need to hear the preacher that I just heard, okay? And, and uh, spiritual children become very aggressive in trying to change the world very quickly. You'll hear this. I'm not being fed, and I'm going to a church that meets my needs better. And... Uh, Uh, And I'll tell you, as a pastor, uh, we hear that a lot. It's not just me, every pastor who's ever pastored a church hears this statement. And it's easy for us to become impatient or offended. I try very hard as a pastor to remember that when I hear this phrase, I'm not being fed, I'm going somewhere else, I I try to remind myself, this is somebody who's at the early stages of spiritual development. And it's okay. I try to encourage them to stay here and be fed and learn how to what? What? feed yourself, right? Because mature people feed themselves. Children are still waiting for the spoon to be forced into their mouth with a little airplane, (laughs) right? Uh, And I'll talk a little bit about that more later. So these are some of the phrases that you might hear spiritual children use. Now here's some more characteristics. You might you might recognize yourself in some of these things. Uh, one of the things we see with people that are in the childhood stage of spiritual development are, are that children believe that feelings are the most important. Everything hinges on the way I feel. And so spiritual children typically will experience very high highs and very low lows. When they're experiencing Jesus in all of his glory, boy, it's a spiritual high. And then when things just kind of even out, they get depressed because they're not experiencing Jesus anymore. And they start worrying about why those feelings come and go. kind of reminds me of when I was dating my wife in, in the early years. Uh, I kind of had this view of love. I thought love was just based upon how I felt. And when I first met Chris, I thought my heart was going to leap out of my chest. There were just these emotions, and I just needed to be with her all the time. And I could hardly do my job because my head was just, you know. And, and then after a couple of months... All those passionate feelings began to settle into normalcy, and I thought, I'm not really in love. I I missed it, so I broke up with her, and I did that twice and just about killed her, but she waited for me. Thank the Lord. And and that's typical of people who are immature, right? Emotion is everything. Uh, Spiritual children also lack spiritual wisdom. They don't know how to just moderate things, so... They can be very aggressive when they're sharing their faith. They can be condemning when they're talking to friends or family members about what is right and wrong. They don't have wisdom and finesse in impacting the world. You know people like this? I hear some giggles. You know people like this, right? Uh, A lot of times spiritual children are very enthusiastic ...about new teachings. They're always trying to find the next new thing. They might jump from spiritual teacher to spiritual teacher... ...and they're preoccupied with books and television and all those kinds of things. And what happens a lot of times is they become confused... ...and unyielding regarding complex issues... ...because they don't have a complete understanding of the Bible yet. Let me tell you a story about somebody that was a part of Connect Church in the early days... Uh, We had a young man who was with us. He was wonderful. We loved him, and and he was with us on our very first Sunday, jumped right in, but he was a very young Christian, and he volunteered for our kids' ministry, and uh, he was so enthusiastic, good part of the team, creative, uh, energetic, and and working very hard, and then about six months after he was attending Connect Church, a Christian friend of his invited him to go to a, a, a youth conference. And at this youth conference, the, the preacher made a big deal in one of the sessions that playing drums in church was a sin. And so he came back from this conference convinced that Connect Church was going straight to hell, okay? Because we, we had drums and we were playing rock and roll and, you know, you, and, 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 and he was absolutely convinced this was the truth. And so I sat down with him and I said, look, let's study the scriptures together, all right? What is true is what the Bible says, not what some guy says. What's true is what's in the Bible. You don't have to look very far. Just go to Psalm 150, okay? And and in Psalm 150, they're beating on anything that will make noise, right? And uh, it's not a sin to play the drums in church. But he didn't have biblical maturity, and he had been convinced by some preacher that he didn't even know he wasn't going to take any guidance from me, his pastor. And so he left the church, and he went somewhere else. And I, I see him once in a while. Uh, but, but it was very sad to me, because as a spiritual child, he was confused and easily deceived. And that's something that can happen to spiritual children. In fact, one author that I'm reading right now says that spiritual children are sophomores. You could write this in your notes because I think this is kind of funny. Sophomores. Do you know what the word sophomore means? It comes from two Greek words. The first one is sophos, which means wise. And the second one is moros, which means idiot. <laughs> it, it, it's the word that moron comes from, okay? The, the nicer definition is fool, okay? Fool. And so a sophomore is a wise fool. Okay, Sophomore is a wise fool. Yeah. Are you you a sophomore, Tara? I'm really sorry. I'm certain that you're more wise than moronic. And your dad agrees. (laughs) But spiritual children can be like that. They're gaining, do you understand what I'm saying? They're gaining wisdom, but they don't really know how to use it. Okay, so, so again, if you're a spiritual child, if you see yourself in this place in the continuum, I'm not trying to insult you because you're valuable to the family of God. You're important to the family of God. But there's lots more to learn as you develop into spiritual maturity. So you might find yourself being a wise idiot, and that's okay. We'll be patient with you, right? Everybody say amen. Amen. Anybody been a sophomore ever in your life? Okay. Do you remember when you did really stupid things and you wouldn't listen to your dad? Okay. I did. Boy, I remember those conversations with my dad and I was a wise idiot. Okay. Not going to go there. So here's the deal. What do we do with these sophomores in the faith? If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Spiritual children need to be connected to a spiritual family who can guide them to maturity. This is so critical. Spiritual children must be connected to a spiritual family who can guide them to maturity. They need to learn who they are in Christ. I'm working with a college student right now who doesn't know his identity in Christ, and I'm giving him resources to help him. They need to know how to have a relationship with God. It's more than just an experience. It's a day-to-day relationship. They need to learn how to have a relationship with other people because a lot of times people who, who come to Christ, they don't know good relationship-building principles. They don't know how to love. They don't know how to forgive. They don't know how to be gentle and nice and kind and, and overlook a fault. They need to learn how to feed themselves. That's a big one for spiritual children. Bottom line is they need a spiritual family who can give them all of these tools for spiritual maturity. Are you with me? Let me take you to a, another passage of Scripture that illustrates how important this is. Acts chapter 2 talks about the early experiences of the church as, as it was coming together. And, and this is up on the screen. You don't have to turn there unless you want to. Acts chapter 2 says this, and, and I want you to see here, I've underlined all the, all the words in these verses that talk about uh, the spiritual family. They worshiped together in the temple every day. Wow. How would you like to come to church every day? Yeah. And they met in people's homes for the Lord's Supper. So they were meeting as a big group, and they were meeting as a small group. Uh And they they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And look at this. Each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Can you imagine what would happen to this town, this county, this state, if every day people were being added to Connect Church because we got this disciple thing? These people got it. And they were making disciples, and they were guiding people through the process, and people wanted what they had. It was like wildfire. And in fact, if you think about it, this all happened 2,000 years ago. We're Christians today because of the fire these Christians started. And God willing, we can make such a difference that if Jesus doesn't come in our lifetimes, that hundreds or thousands of years from now, people will look back and say, Connect Church changed the course of history. Why not? If we get this. If we get this. So let me give you some some practical helps for how to guide spiritual children. How do we guide spiritual children? Uh, This week as I was studying, I came across a a YouTube video that's pretty cool. And a, a father took pictures of his son every day for four years. And uh, he put them together so you could see in time-lapse photography uh, how he grew and developed. I I just think this is really incredible. Four years of a baby's life in, what is it, 35 seconds or something that we see him come uh, to be a four-year-old. Isn't he cute? That was a lot of work on some dad's part, right? But can't you see him just growing before our eyes and developing into a little man? It's just kind of cool. Those eyes are the same in every picture, aren't they? But here's what happens. Sometimes spiritual children can get stuck at some stage of the spiritual growth process. We get stuck. Like this little kid's in the bathtub and he never gets out. Okay? And he just stops growing and nobody ever combs his hair again. Okay? In the spiritual sense, we can get stuck. Why do we get stuck? Listen to me, this isn't in your notes, but this is significant. We get stuck because we don't have a strategy for spiritual growth. We get stuck because we don't have a strategy. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, understood this completely. And he wrote to the Corinthian church and he said this. He He wasn't very nice. He said, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world, as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another, and you quarrel with one another. Do you hear what Paul is saying? He's saying you don't have a strategy for spiritual growth, so you're stuck And you're still quarreling, and you're still jealous, and you're still sinning. You're you're Christians. Yeah, I know you love Jesus, but you're stuck. How do we break out of it? And most significantly, uh, these are targeted at at those of us who are more mature. How do we help spiritual children in our church family grow and progress? Three words that I shared with you last week, and I'll share them with you again this week. Head, heart, and hands. Uh, In relationship to the head, we need to give spiritual children a solid biblical foundation so if you have a relationship with someone that you know is a spiritual child you've seen light bulbs going on today uh, in your relationship with them help them learn the bible and learn the biblical principles that are important secondly heart is so important and spiritual children need someone to model the process of spiritual transformation. They need to see in your life how prayer makes a difference. They need to see in your life how Bible study makes a difference. They need to see how worship changes you and transforms you and helps you grow. They need someone who will just be real and authentic with them and see the process so they can imitate it in their own lives. And then with their hands, they need guidance to learn to do God's work. And that's kind of vague, so let me just break that apart for you. And I think this is in your notes. Is there more room on your note cards? Uh, They need to learn how to handle God's Word. And and do you know what I mean by that? It means they need to know what the Bible says and what it means and what it calls us to do. They need to know how to handle this book. Instead of, like like this young man that I told you about that just heard a preacher say drums were evil, so he just decided drums were evil. Uh, Spiritual children need to know more about this book and how to use it. They need to learn how to deal with other people. And that's a skill that not everybody is just born with. You have to learn relationship skills. They need to learn how to discern God's will. So important. Uh, otherwise, we're just operating on an emotional level. And I, I feel like Jesus wants me to go here. I feel like Jesus wants me to quit my job. I feel like Jesus, you, you know, I'm preaching. You're just aimless because you've got to learn how to discern God's will. Fourthly, they need to learn how to be a good family member. Not everybody knows how to be a good family member. Uh, Fifthly, they need to learn how to witness. And lastly, they need to learn how to be involved in the church. One of the things we talk about from time to time, and probably not often enough, is the principle of apprenticing in ministry. How do we demonstrate to people what it means to serve and how to lead well? Uh, Pastor John has been apprenticing Victoria for the last eight months. He's done such a good job duplicating worship leading principles into her life. And those of you that have been with us for this period of time, you've seen Victoria grow and blossom and become extraordinary. Uh, That's modeling what it means to serve and to lead. Now, uh, not all of us know how to do this, and... um, and so I've, I've made uh, note cards for you. I've done this each week. If you haven't picked them up yet, let me encourage you to do that. But uh, this week I've got resources for helping you guide spiritual children. Uh, and there's some resources here that you can pick up, uh, books about who they are in Christ. Uh, that's such an important thing to learn. Books about how to have a relationship with God, how to maintain healthy relationships, how to spiritually feed themselves. If you don't know how to feed yourself, pick up some of these books. And and the last category is understanding the church. Uh, These things can help spiritual children grow and go to the next level. Uh, Each week, I've, I've got note cards, and they're stacked back there. If you're not picking them up, Uh, please, please pick these up. Even if you don't plan to pick these books up anytime in the future, uh, this is something you can tuck away and keep for whenever it is that you need these resources. Please keep them. Uh, Patrick came in this morning and he had picked up the resources from last week, went to Family Christian Store and bought uh, this book, The Case for Christ. They were on a special two-for-one and so he said, I can give this one away. Does anybody want The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel? Great book. There you go, John. Good catch. Thank you, Patrick. (laughs) And then the last thing on your note cards, you probably saw this one coming. And, in capital letters, join a small group. (laughs) We absolutely believe that spiritual transformation takes place best in small groups. We believe that... That gathering together as a church on Sundays is so important. Worshiping, learning together, all this stuff that happens on Sundays is vital. But it's not enough. Please plan on being a part of a small group. I shared with you last week that Shoni and I have a goal of having every single person who makes Connect Church their home church, uh, that, that they will be in a small group. And I hope that you'll consider it. I want to make sure that you're aware all of the small groups are listed on the back and if you're a spiritual infant, or if you're a spiritual child, and you've recognized that in your life the last couple of weeks, I want to I suggest that you join John and Karen Barnhart's group. It's an ongoing group that teaches you just the fundamentals of what the Bible says and teaches, and it's a great way to, to just kickstart your spiritual journey. Probably the best place I could send you if you're an infant or a spiritual child and you can jump into that right away. You don't even have to wait for small groups to start because they meet every week before church on Sundays. But then there's a bunch of more groups here. Uh, Tino and Vicky Riojas just joined our team this week. And so they weren't on the list last week. So some of you might want to uh, jump out of somebody else's group because you love Tino and Vicky so much. I don't know. Uh, but that's an option. Well, you can read them. Uh, you can sign up on your... On your connection cards for a small group, you can sign up online for a small group, but make that a priority, will you? Just before we we sing, let me just tell you what's coming, because I'm so excited for small groups starting in February. Uh, Starting in February, I'm going to be teaching a message series for eight weeks on the Beatitudes, We're going to walk through each one. The Beatitudes are the teaching of Jesus. He started with, blessed are the poor in spirit. And each one of the Beatitudes takes you on a progression from virtue to virtue to virtue, building character into your life. And they build on one another. So by the end, you're like spiritual Goliath, okay? Just, you're just huge, big muscles, okay? We'll be doing that for eight weeks. And this is what's going to be cool, is in addition to the Sunday Messages... Our small groups are going to be going a little bit deeper in those Beatitudes. And so Shoni and I are working on developing uh, studies for the small groups. This is all happening inside Connect Church. We're not getting sources from outside. So we're we're going to be uh, providing resources for small group leaders. Pastor Bruce is providing daily devotionals for each one of the the Beatitudes. So every day, five days a week, you'll have something to read and verses to go a little bit deeper with the study that I've taught on the previous Sunday. John is providing us with some internet resources if you want to go a little deeper still. And Victoria is providing some worship resources so you can listen to music or meditate on, on poetry or something that will just take you into the presence of God that relates to that topic. So it's going to be eight weeks of accelerated spiritual growth. And I want to encourage you, make sure you're in a small group so that you're not missing out on those components. You, I, I want you to experience the whole force of what's going to be happening starting in February when our small groups start up. So, yes, sir, Patrick. I just want to add, I mean, in the small groups, the learning is great, the fellowship is great, but the relationships that you build are life-changing. It makes the, the biggest difference. Absolutely. Could you all hear what Patrick said? Small groups, you'll build relationships that will change your life. And that's what we're trying to do. Okay, we're going to sing. Let's stand together. Christ, be the center of our lives, be the place we fix our eyes.